Hello and welcome from very cold and snowy Munich. I am your host Vishwajit and I'm Devendra. And we are both uh, software engineers of sorts. <laughs> uh, we both are coming from a technical background. We both have our uh, degrees in computer science and for the last few years we have been working professionally as well. So we are not going to go too much into details about us because yeah well it's not so interesting and you don't care either so exactly <laughs> so okay. um yeah i mean to to introduce to today's topic or something i would i would rather like to like just ask you as in general like we are from as we said technical background maybe <laughs> but we'll just pretend we are okay. so but do you, do you feel as a regular user do you feel secure about being on the internet in this day and age uh yes and no well yes because i don't care so much mm-hmm. <laughs> no uh when i really think about it i mean from from data breaching from uh fake bots from all the political stuff happening because of uh data misusage in elections for example with facebook and some other companies we are not going to go too much in detail so yeah i kind of don't feel as secure as i used to when i was not aware how things work behind the scenes ah uh, okay yeah ignorance is a bliss as i always <laughs> say right? the more you know you more start threatening about it i guess yeah what about you how much do you care about privacy um as of this point i would say i'm midway somewhere between not caring too much and caring too much okay right so um i i i take certain steps to ensure that i feel my data is being is not being stolen somewhere in the paths of the internet and stuff but i'm not i don't get paranoid if i realize that ah okay the site i was using is now completely hacked and everyone knows my email id so like it's but in in general what's what's your stance on it mm-hmm. uh, how much do you care yeah that's a very good question i think i i have also started caring more about it than before uh, one of the reason being actually even this interview which we are going to do later on with our guest rajat uh, i'm not going to give any spoilers but uh, i definitely have to say after our chat with rajat i started looking more closely how i am browsing but anyways to give shorter answer to what i do i think just working in a technical company using vpn is something very basic mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that is like the first layer for any company i think to to have somewhat of a secure uh transactional transactions happening or any sort of internal data circulation happening especially in a time of home office <laughs> where more or less all of us are working from home uh, particularly in the tech world i i should say so uh, besides that i mean of course i do use password managers i am not accepting random cookies i am trying to use incognito if i'm tr- uh, if i'm i don't want my activity being tracked which not necessarily always helpful but maybe it's just psychological that i use them yeah, yeah. 
not accepting random cookies is is like an age old advice it's just now more valuable in the virtual domain right mm-hmm. like it's a very popular thing and now a joke in india that if you're going in the train do not accept a biscuit from a stranger otherwise you'll get <laughs> kidnapped or stuff so now it has won't become like a more virtual thing that do not accept random cookies as long as you cannot but but that is you right so it's you have you happen to have some sort of a background in understanding all these mm-hmm. terms and Have you noticed the same attitude uh, of the people around you uh, that whether they care about privacy or not? Right, and that's a very interesting question, and I feel like I'm in an interesting position to answer that. And and uh, I guess it's also true for you. But I will only say for myself. I mean, I'm coming from India, uh, where data privacy is not so important. Uh, that does not mean people don't care about it i mean i also know people in india who really really care about data data security data privacy but in general uh, indians tend to have a more relaxed uh, uh, attitude towards privacy at least the ones that you know yeah again mm-hmm. i'm only talking about my circle mm-hmm. when i say about my circle these are all more or less uh, middle class educated people a lot of them because of my background in technology are also coming from tech so we also have to consider that in mind but uh, on an average i would say even though the more technical people uh, who have understanding of it don't care so much about it back in india on the contrary uh, living here in germany for last few years people care maybe a bit too much <laughs> about it i don't know maybe maybe i will offend a lot of our german listeners by uh, saying that what i mean is that what i like about uh, germany is that people really care about data privacy but i think it's up to uh, up to a paranoia level mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of concerns me because uh, i think they are not enjoying usage of internet as intended sometimes just because of that paranoia so yeah that's mm-hmm. my experience what about you 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 have lived already in europe also for last many years you have four years yeah yeah and you have also lived in france mm-hmm. before moving to germany do you see any difference in behavior in france compared to germany i mean i like to be a little more objective uh, in 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 things situation like this so um there were some uh, friends back in france who were determined to move away from the google ecosystem so they would use a different browser other than chrome not use google search some quant or some other search engine uh, no props to microsoft bing was still bad <laughs> back then uh, but there were other ones like duck duck go uh, we also see advertisements mm-hmm. of duck duck go in the metro stations here yeah um so much about privacy but uh, <laughs> uh so yeah the, depending on people to people mm-hmm. um there are some people i know who are uh, very regular user or have been very regular users of vpn they have set up their own vpn vpn is for people who do not know it it's just it's it's a way to providing you anonymity on the internet it's called virtual proxy network um not so important with with the context of this but it's just one of the privacy measures so some people are go to that level of considering that as a very basic standard um other than that uh some people despite the fact where they are located india france germany netherlands they they don't um really 
care much about it and mm-hmm. and then th- thanks for correcting me uh, i would correct it's not virtual proxy network it's virtual private network so my bad but you see how how technical we are at this point <laughs> i i do think it's come down to to be honest just being like working in the industry and vpn is something we kind of take for granted because mm-hmm. it's like a given right like that's not uh, but in reality it should not be the case because vpn is actually quite quite useful it does make a lot given that you are using a good vpn and usually those good vpns are not free and if that's the case then they do provide a lot more security in your browsing in your transaction in your uh, internal data circulation for instance in a uh, case of organization or a company or you can always watch movies that are not in your country on netflix so this is how they advertise <laughs> it on youtube most of the times <laughs> unfortunately i can't use my company vpn for that i really tried <laughs> <laughs> So have you ever felt like your data have been compromised? Oh yes. Um uh, one of the most interesting ways to find that out is that there's a website called have i been pawned we'll link that in the show notes. Uh you enter your email ID and you they tell you that is your email ID or your password has been compromised or not just by the very view of those statistics you realize that oh okay so this is like an email ID i've been using for past 12 14 years um and now like it's out in the internet so this is just one of the small examples where i felt that yeah okay my data has been compromised but all in all in general uh at the back of my head i'm always aware of the fact that i i cannot really escape it because i haven't taken strict measures to ensure my privacy so seeing ads in places where you normally would not expect them mm-hmm. so that kind of gives you a hint that okay something is happening with my chrome that I don't want to happen. I don't want it to do for me. Okay, that's that's interesting. And how was how was your feeling? Mm-hmm. I mean, you kind of shrugged it off in your answer that yeah, it has been breached, but I know I did not took measures. But I have also checked that site. I think that's a very useful uh, website. And uh, for our listeners, we will go much more in detail about how uh, how I have been pawned. dot com mm-hmm. in our guest interview. Uh, but i just wanted to say that when i use the site and then i get to know that 20 random guys in us or, or nigeria or wherever have my data i kind of freaked out i have to be honest i only freaked out for one hour and then i went back watching videos on youtube but i did freaked out what about you um i mean i have replied to that nigerian prince offering <laughs> me a million dollars and if you're listening i'm still waiting <laughs> but um our yeah. target audience is nigerian <laughs> prince right <laughs> definitely yes like this entire show is meant to just reach out to that one person who owes me a million dollar but yeah in in general when i started uh, to be aware of the idea that okay how is this data being breached how is my personal data is compromised it initially starts with the curve right that you are a little concerned then you're worried then you're anxious and all that happens in the first 60 seconds and then on the 61st second ignorance kicks in mm-hmm. because then you're kind of helpless in one way that first of all despite being in software it's contrary to people's belief we do not know everything that is happening throughout the internet right, right? so like cybersecurity is not my domain uh, i don't understand much of it I, right. i i can understand the basics but i don't understand much of it so 
if i don't even understand it then i do not know that choosing random vpn service choosing some random password manager and what like amount of these stuff that i need to do in order to feel that okay now i have the power it just not so i don't know i currently i'm I, i'm more somewhere in the state of partial ignorance partially worried mm-hmm. so i i kind of have to leave it at that and maybe this after this interview i'll i'll understand it in a little more depth but do you take some measures or something yeah as i mentioned before there are some measures like for example you using vpn right mm-hmm. that's i think that's a given mm-hmm. especially when it comes to work uh, for me or mm-hmm. or luckily i mean that's kind of something standard in my company and i think that's the case in most companies right especially now when we are working all remotely and in our case in 12 15 different countries so uh, using something like vpn becomes very important then second is using more uh, sites which are more uh, which seems at least more reliable mm-hmm. so for example of course sites like google or facebook or twitter they have bad names mm-hmm. uh, for many reasons and sometimes rightfully so but on the contrary they are also one of the most secure sites on the web right so if i am on google versus let's say a random search engine created by a nigerian prince mm-hmm. uh i am 100% sure that i will be way more secure on google and and one of the reasons being they are not necessarily tracking each and individual actions we are taking but rather something called metadata mm-hmm. again one of those things which we are going to more in detail uh in our upcoming interview with rajat mm. yeah it's also interesting you you touch upon a point that we are going to discuss more in, in in detail which is like these sites are secure as far as uh, security is concerned mm-hmm. but uh, one of the major um, major thing that we need to understand after this point is that there's a difference between privacy and security right so we would uh, this is what taints these companies images in a slightly bad light sometimes Uh, but these are the measures that like i don't take much and you happen to take at least in the professional context mm-hmm. um there are certain measures that uh, government takes for us as well right so we we talk about one of, at least the european government so the the gdpr thing people living in european union eu in short uh, would know about it so for other people in general it's just an abbreviation for uh, general data protection regulation um this is a law by the government uh, which uh, which is one of the reasons that you get those like cookie popups in in if you're browsing somewhere in the european union so we dive more into detail of how does it work what are what is the scope of it over the internet not just related to european union but even if you're outside of it right does it even concern you or it shouldn't mm-hmm. um but um coming to that uh, we would be using some tech terms very liberally and open handedly throughout the course of the conversation that we are going to have with our expert so we would want to uh, explain a little bit about them so that you are not thrown off the rails one of them was which uh, we already mentioned metadata so we'll talk about it more in detail like what data is and what metadata about that is we also uh, at some point briefly mentioned tech stack so it's a short for technological stack or technical stack um the website that you see is just one part of the entire giant machinery that works behind it so when you click on login sign up 
that, that one button is doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes, which normally we don't get to see. Uh, so we would talk about this, but in general, there's an entire tech stack where your username is there, then your password is there, and then how, which page to show you, uh, what is, and all of that stuff. So there's an entire team that is doing it. So that is called a tech stack in short in, in the tech tool. Were there any more words that we ever used? I, I think we have, it's not a technical term, but mm -hmm. I think we have also used <laughs> EU, uh, EU quite a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, for us living in EU, mm -hmm. EU means EU, mm -hmm. which is European Union. But I think I realized talking to my friends who are not living here does not always is clear when we say mm -hmm. EU because, and there is also difference between EU and Europe. Again, we are not gonna go in those details, but yeah. whenever we use uh, EU, either us or our guest, it just means European Union. Ah, I just thought about one more term. Mm -hmm. I think our guest mentioned about PII. I think it's personally identifiable information. Yeah. Um, so this is like uh, one of the terms that is closely associated with privacy. So uh, while listening to it, uh, you, you would get a pretty much brief hint of it that what actually, uh, what sort of data is identified counts as like personally identifiable information. Mm -hmm. So these are some of the terms that we are going to use. Right. Um, but yeah, so, but this is us. We gave you a little brief about what our thoughts are, um, what in general we do to do these things. And you, you, you must have realized by this point that even we are not 100% sure about certain things. Right, so, and, and we want to be very open about it mm -hmm. because as Devendra mentioned, I mean, uh, when we say technology, or computer science or whatever uh, term you want to use. It's a huge, huge domain. I mean, people have been studying just cybersecurity or just about privacy, like their entire careers. So for us, yeah. <laughs> some random software engineers, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's almost impossible to know everything. And I think we want to be very upfront about it because there is a huge misunderstanding that, yeah, okay, if you are coming from tech, then you know a lot about it. That's not actually the case. In fact, some of my friends uh, here in Germany, they know a lot more about steps which you can take to, to be more secure while browsing on internet than I think both of us combined. Yeah. Okay, so let's say, let's not waste more time uh, talking about Nigerian prints and uh, <laughs> uh, more technical buzzwords. Mm -hmm. So who is our expert helping dissecting this topic for us? So the first expert, of course, is has to be uh, someone who agreed to doing this thing with us, <laughs> even when he knows that like two and a half people are going to listen to it. <laughs> uh, so he's one of my closest friends. I, we did bachelors from the same college in computer science. Uh, I've known him since his formative years. He has been very interested in cybersecurity, has also worked in cybersecurity, uh, started off as a software development engineer. Previous, uh, previously, after his bachelor's, he was in Zomato working for the, as a site reliability engineer. And then uh, he has, and now he has moved to Netherlands and where he's working for booking. And he deals with basically whatever happens behind the doors when you push uh, all those search queries or login buttons on the back. Uh, so he's going to help us understand all of these terms and the doubts that we had. Uh, so we'll mention his uh, link and our social media links also in the show notes, but um, we should welcome Rajat at this point to clarify certain stuff, right? 
yeah so hi rajat okay welcome hi rajat welcome to the podcast so nice of you to take hey. out time in that sense how are you doing yeah pretty good okay great so first of all like what are your thoughts in general about this topic that do you do you feel that uh, understanding of online identity these days is is more and more getting important with all the regulations and stuff happening yeah definitely so i actually believe this is something that is not explored enough yet and like if you uh, walk up to people and simply ask uh, how much they know about their current online presence i think they they would not be that well aware of the situation so yeah de- definitely a very good topic to explore yeah so maybe we can kick it off with our first question to you in in your opinion what's the difference between private and personal data so there are like uh, different types of data and uh, th- this would totally depend on the organization uh, which is dealing with it but in general there there are like uh, some common terms that are used across the whole world so there's uh, something uh, the the like you mentioned uh, private data is something that is identifiable to you to like uh, rephrase it there's like data that belongs to you and does not belong to you like whenever you uh, visit online uh, and throughout your online presence there will be data that is collected with your consent and sometimes without your consent and basically it does not happen without your consent in eu at least but yeah so you you own that data regardless of uh, anything and then like uh, you can classify that data into how critical that data is so then uh, th- there are layers to it so private data is something that is defined as the data that can be used to single you out so you as an individual if anything points back to you like uh, not not uh, in a group if i can use some set of data to identify you that that's called uh, private data or pii in like uh, tech terms so your name Uh, for example would not exactly be private data in itself because uh, they can be like quite a lot of people with your name and i won't be able to single you out but let's say if i combine your name with your address that becomes a private data mm-hmm. so uh, like th- there are legal uh, specific definitions to it but at the end of the day there's like data that can be used to pinpoint uh, to be able to like single you out and that's private data on the other hand uh, let's say if you are trying to buy something of amazon or something like that uh, and amazon just collecting how much shirts did you buy how much uh, headphones did you buy and stuff like that that counter or that number is again uh, is considered personal data but it's not private like that does not a point to you in any respect but uh, that's like still uh, you own that data because it's your private uh, your information okay mm-hmm. so so you are saying that whenever we are browsing the internet we are creating this trail of data wherever we go and some of it is based on our consent some of it is not so so yeah. what can we do as let's say normal users uh, on the internet so that 
our data uh, is not misused so that you know we are more so that we can be more cautious while we are browsing our internet what are some of the steps which we can take as a normal user without doing some programming or without doing any coding related stuff mm -hmm. so uh, i think we can start off with uh, how cookies work in general or like what are cookies so and, and i think that's something that everybody needs to know uh, uh, to at least understand how uh, the online presence works mm -hmm. so what happens is let's say if, if you're visiting some website meet a blog not, not just like big websites like amazon facebook google but like so some very small blog or something like that they would there, there would be some set of uh, cookies that are attached to you as a user and again attached to you means basically they are saved in your browser so what exactly are cookies is like if we try to simplify it i would say it's it's a label that gets attached to your browser that the website sticks to your browser to make sure that it identifies uh, all the requests uh, that you're sending to it now the interesting part to it is that it's not exactly limited to the website so let's say if a blog has a like button or a share uh, on twitter button or something like that those buttons can load cookies that are specific to facebook on that blog even though you are not on facebook so let's say if you are reading a lot of blogs about data privacy Mm -hmm. and uh, those blogs have a like button then facebook by itself uh, like by, by tracing those cookies is able to get the data like is able to collect the data that you are interested in data privacy so mm -hmm. it, it's not just like limited to those websites there are uh, cookies that are essential and critical to uh, working of a website you can't like log into a website without cookies and they they are like very crucial to how a website works mm -hmm. but uh, after that criticality level there are certain cookies that are not exactly critical but they are for the well, let's say the advanced stuff uh, that website does be it personalization be it other stuff so would you consider so, this sorry mm -hmm. would you consider these cookies as private or personal uh i would actually say cookies are private data because they they can point out to your specific browser but again would would depend in different scenarios of how we are storing the cookies how much data are we storing again with the cookie so name is a private data because that combined with some other private data like address or something like that or let's say even a city can single you out so similarly uh, like cookie in itself would not uh, be able to single you out but that combined with some other info might be so yeah, yeah that's why i would say it's a private data so yeah that's like a pretty basic level of uh, how cookies work or how your online presence work so just like imagine you going to 10 different websites in a day and leaving some uh, trace of yourself over there and the least we can do to answer your original question is that read if you like visit a website at least in eu you get a notification saying 
do you accept these cookies? Do you accept the terms and conditions for this and that? Mm-hmm. So the least we can do is at least open the box up and read what we are agreeing to. Uh, it's it's almost as simple as you would not sign any document. Like if someone walked up to you on a road and asked you to sign it, right? So like uh, if if you are agreeing to something on a website, at least try uh, reading it. And if you are uh, lazy like me, even try simply declining it. Like most of the websites would even work after that, and they would not bother you. So why not do it? and why is that especially you mentioned that few times already that in eu there is we we see a lot of cookies like in our website all all of us are sitting in eu uh, we see cookies all the time which is very different mm-hmm. from my experience when i was browsing in india why what are the differences here is there any special law here which is enforcing more privacy control or what are the reasons behind seeing so many cookie banners in the websites in eu yeah so there's something that, that is like in true and there's something called gdpr and uh, it is like a very widespread thing uh, if you are like even a bit interested in privacy uh, you might have like already come across how it works or like at least would have heard it uh, in the hot news about a few years ago but uh, the crux of the whole thing is that eu does have a law which makes uh, the companies take consent from you about what data they can store and how they can use it so it's not like a worldwide thing of course that's why i said like uh, it's the, your data is not always collected with your consent Mm-hmm. but at least uh, within eu they acknowledge the fact that any data generated from you is owned by you mm-hmm. and uh, if you own the data you are basically lending it over to the companies and that basically means you still uh, have rights to say how it can be used and uh you have the right to say that i end my lease now and i actually want you to delete everything related to me and whatever like uh, you generated out of that data okay interesting that that brings me to one more point in that since like we're talking about cookies and visiting sites as a very regular user if i see mm-hmm. https in somewhere the s to me mm-hmm. suddenly feels like okay i'm secure here why should mm-hmm. i be even concerned about other sorts of data here what is happening behind the scenes so that's like th- those are like two very different uh, sections of security mm-hmm. so the http versus https is almost uh, similar to let's say if you send out a letter to someone you close the envelope with a tape and uh, let's say if it's very crucial you actually seal it over with a seal and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh so the http and https is just to make sure that any data that leaves your browser or your system is not read by the mailman in between or something like that mm-hmm. uh but when but like at the end of the day that data when that data reaches the servers of the companies and uh, 
like in in case of whatsapp or like any other messaging app uh, when it reaches the other person it gets uh, it, it gets like uh, open the envelope gets open the actual data get gets read and there are uh, privacy actually starts uh, acting after that has happened okay so <laughs> it's it's like uh, to to step to the whole process and yeah like you definitely do not want uh, your letters to be read by the mailman but definitely if you are like sending your medical records to some firm to be analyzed you do not want that to be shared publicly also right so that's that's the part of privacy uh, privacy or security that we are talking about uh, with gdpr and other stuff like that and uh, encryption or let's say cdps and all that stuff is like just to ensure that all that things happen securely okay so so you just mentioned couple of words uh, in a in in just one sentence gdpr of course you already explained that to us we, you also mentioned something about encryption before we go a bit deeper into these topics uh, i was curious since you work in a in a large company yourself which is located in eu which has millions of users so i am wondering how does data processing looks like behind the scene for a company like yours how are you mm-hmm. interacting with the data with uh, the cookies let's say which i am accepting upon when i enter your site what is happening with all the data and how much should i be worried about it <laughs> so uh, i i can guarantee that you should not be worried about at least uh, the data that we store <laughs> uh <laughs> unless there's like some developer out there not following the guidelines which uh, does not happen usually so uh the so th- there are two more types of data like we already discussed uh, private versus personal data mm-hmm. the, uh, th- there like there are many other classifications for data but like uh, the, the two major things that actually come to my mind are Uh, there's something called anonymous data and anonymized data okay so anonymous data is the data let's say uh, that the developers or internal tech people uh, just record to ensure that the system is working correctly that has like nothing to do uh, with uh, you or your identity or your privacy so it's like uh, almost like let's say if you're getting Tesla's uh, from showroom and uh, the company just wants to make sure that the engine does not overheat and if it does overheat what's what are the conditions around it and stuff like that so that that's like uh, that that's classified as anonymous data that's like uh, not at all ready to use just like how the system is working and uh, they should be able to tune it up or not the second set of data is actually anonymized data mm-hmm. so that's uh, act, uh, related to the PII or the private data protection in the whole system. So how it works to again to answer the original question, uh, how it works behind the scenes is let's say when you actually enter your credit card info or your name or your address uh, on a site, how it's supposed to happen is that data goes uh, to within the tech stack of the company and then there's a specific let's call it a team or a department that is uh, responsible for the security of this data mm-hmm. and they replace like for, for all the internal processing they would anonymize the data what i mean by anonymize is uh, if you have uh, 
let's say if I have an email ID called Rajat at gmail.com, it would actually be anonymized to user123 at gmail.com. So any, or like user123 at the rate x.com or like something like that. So yeah, like basically any other person, if uh, they are able to even see that email ID, they cannot like point it back to me. So there's, there's like a, let's, mm, there's like a sealed environment in the company where the actual data goes in and uh, we return something we call as tokens. Mm -hmm. So like uh, the user123 at ratex.com is actually a token. And that token basically uh, is sent, like the developers are free to send that token across uh, the company for any other users. Let's say if they want to track how many shirts someone bought or something like that. And uh, for all the delivery, let's say if, if your order has been delivered or not, or if this user has been facing this issue or something like that. But at the end of the day, how it works is like within the company environment, it is never uh, exposed to the whole crowd. Mm -hmm. There's like a specific section, specific section of people and specific section of the tech that converts the data into tokens as soon as possible. And that's like the anonymized data. And that anonymized data is uh, like floated across the rest of the tech stack to make sure that uh, your personal data remains personal and like your private data is not uh, exposed. And even on top of that, like according to GDPR compliances, uh, you still own that data. Mm -hmm. So if you, let's say, reach out to the firm and say that I want uh, to delete everything that you have on me uh, and any data that you have collected on me so far. So uh, it, it's like the responsibility of the firm to make sure that they trace back every instance of user123 at the rate x in their database and their, their whole system and make sure that they delete it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that, that's, I guess I, that's pretty much how it works in the background. But relying on that law, is there a mm -hmm. way for me, like, are they going to give me some sort of acknowledgement if I say that to a company, delete all my data? Am I going to receive mm -hmm. an acknowledgement that we have done it so that I can use it some sort of as a proof in court of law in a hypothetical scenario? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So oh. like as per GDPR law, there are people working around the clock to ensure and uh, this and like uh, some companies, like uh, let's say, I, I think Facebook does it if you choose to delete your account and mm -hmm. uh, it deletes everything. But I'm not sure like if you can restore it or not, but like uh, in idle scenarios, the company cannot even uh, just simply archive their data to be restored at a later time. Mm -hmm. It needs to get rid of it. And if it's not in the, uh, if, if it's not present on the website to do it in an automated manner or throughout uh, uh, all uh, like through any other forum, you, you can definitely reach out to the support channel and as per the EU laws, they are supposed to get rid of that data. Like it, it's not, uh, the law does not say that you need to have automation around it. The law does not say you need to have a code around it. It could be a developer running some random code being scripts or something like that in the background to manually delete the data. But yeah, at the end of the day, you would get an acknowledgement that your data has been deleted. And uh, I, I think that there are uh, further final lines around the specific deletion of data, like the company can, I think, keep your data around for a week and then they need to get rid of it. I'm, I'm not specifically sure about the duration and all, but yeah.
uh, you would have an acknowledgement and the company cannot have your data after that okay that's good to know <laughs> okay so so since we talked a lot about gdpr and we talked a lot about uh, that oh, it's how it's impacting people in, in european union in eu what about the people who are outside eu since a lot of companies are following the same laws here in eu for example your company is even headquarter is uh, within eu let's say mm-hmm. if a user uh, from outside eu for example india or china is accessing your website where eu eu laws don't apply so which which also means gdpr don't apply does these people don't have any sort of protection when it comes to data privacy or because of gdpr are there any advantages for users outside eu as well so there are advantages to people definitely for sure and it's uh, the argument is as simple as that that uh, it would actually take an extra effort on companies and to disable those settings for other users so unless the company has some use for user data let's say if they want to sell you ads or something like that and they are they are actually monetizing on top of your data and they are ready to put that extra effort into disable those things specifically if you're not in eu and unless that's the scenario uh, it's like a pretty standard flow for uh, anyone that has customers in eu they they'll like replicate everything uh, across their tech stack uh, again the argument is as simple as this that it gives you added layer of security with the least amount of efforts right mm-hmm. although like for sure you would see less uh, cookie pop-ups if you're not in eu and that's i think simply because they they didn't want to hinder the user experience with it mm-hmm. so it, it gets a bit annoying uh, to see all those pop-ups but uh, I, i don't think uh, in anyone anyone uh, intentionally disables those security factors just so that you're not in the, uh, mm-hmm. just not on this continent before we move on to next topic i i have one more question on the subject of companies processing the data i mean we mm-hmm. hear and read so much more and more how especially social media companies including facebook uh twitter or even google which is not technically a social media company they get heavily fined in eu even though they are part of gdpr and there is still some data mismanagement happening mm-hmm. according to you the way you explained it by law the data should not have been processed in wrong ways but it's it's still happening what is causing that or are these companies are so powerful now then even these laws are not able to control how they are working behind the scenes uh so to be honest i would say it's a combination of both so it's it's like uh if the company actually has some motivation behind storing your data they would try to do it uh and uh, that that's that's like a very gray area for a firm to work in and i think uh, is, uh, those forms are never popular <laughs> i think facebook is already tainted in that manner but uh, like most of the times i, I would say like almost uh, almost all of the time uh, it's less about uh, 
the firm doing it intentionally and more about some random developer out there doing it just because they didn't know how to do it so like okay. some someone uh, so like uh, we collect logs and stuff like that for uh, making sure that the system is working correctly and people by mistake add uh, personal data and stuff like that to those logs and that's how sometimes the data gets exported although uh, gdpr and most of the privacy laws actually have a provision that you need to report this thing as soon as possible if this happens mm-hmm. so like the moment this happens you report it you uh, tell them that this is the way we are getting rid of it now like okay a bad thing happened that's okay but like uh, they have a way of recover- like uh, ensuring that it does not uh, end up being a scenario where you don't do anything about it so there are ways to uh, recover from it but i think usually what happens is like there is some weird part in your whole tech stack that nobody knew how it's working and it was logging the pi data for last 5 years and nobody noticed it and then like it suddenly comes into view so it's mostly uh, uh i would not want to say negligence but yeah it is mostly yeah that or we are just blaming it on the underpaid interns <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you mentioned one more term earlier and that has come into news in the recent couple of days as well which is encryption and the whatsapp's current policy changes around it mm-hmm. and there has been a lot of shift towards signal telegram and stuff mm-hmm. should should i be even worried now using whatsapp or is it just like okay that's all right so to answer that that question and uh, i'm i'm trying to sound as neutral as i can <laughs> you should you should have always been worried about whatsapp mm-hmm. okay uh, so I, i think that there are like two three parts to that question so first to uh, clarify what encryption is encryption for a non tech person is as simple as uh, let's say if if you want to talk to one person in the world and uh, you develop your own language so let's say uh, you you want to send him a letter you want to send out letters to him and stuff like that and you of course you don't have control on like the mail system of all the countries and you want to ensure that uh, any communication that happen between you two uh, is private and like uh, is not read by anyone and you just like come up with your own language and uh, the letters that you write to each other would look gibberish to everyone else in the world but you know how to make sense out of it basically my own dothraki yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah as long as it's not on dolingo i think we are good so <laughs> so yeah like that, that's pretty much what encryption is for non tech people and uh, end to end encryption which is again a new term being like going around in the media is something where i make sure that any like the, the language so usually how encryption works is that language uh, conversion happens between you and the company servers and the servers are able to decode that stuff and uh, then they re encode it like they convert it into a second language that is known between those servers and the second user okay so 
what end to end encryption uh, ensures is and this is like uh, this has been in whatsapp like for i don't know how many years the end to end encryption thing so what that ensures is that even the servers are not able to read the whole thing mm-hmm. and uh, the and anything that leaves your device in any message that leaves your device is basically encoded in such a way that it can only be decoded at the uh, the, the other user's device so it like, it, it cannot be read uh, in between anywhere so yeah that's pretty much what encryption is and the, the, the this has been like with whatsapp for a very long time and it's almost funny how people react to very different scenarios so the whatsapp recent change in whatsapp terms of uh, uh, the whole uh, sharing data and all that stuff that i think has no effect whatsoever with a normal user mm-hmm. so it's like actually related to some business use cases and their business clients but the interesting part to the whole flow is that at least this uh, is something that we are talking about now so definitely like why not and so th- there are different uh, ways of sharing data right uh you you might think that uh, as long as your letters uh, that are sent to me are not read by other people you're good but does that actually like is the content in the letter uh, only thing that uh, you're worried about so let's say uh, a v- very hypothetical scenario but let- let's uh, talk about secret agents back in uh, the day where there was no internet and there was no tech around and stuff like that you sending out letters to a specific country could mean very different things mm-hmm. so it's okay. it's not that uh, it's not just about the content in the uh, letters but let's say uh, some like a, a very simple example as this like let's say if we to talk a lot and that data is being stored on whatsapp servers Mm-hmm. then that definitely means that we two are mm, if not good friends then we do spend like a lot of time time talking to each other mm-hmm. and uh, that i think uh, as per human psychology we would definitely not be talking about just one topic if you're talking that like too much so if whatsapp or let's say if whatsapp is sharing its data with facebook and facebook is trying to sell me ads and facebook on the other hand knows that uh, you are interested in some specific thing let's say if you are you have been too uh, you have been researching too much about fitness and stuff like that recently and you bought stuff off internet and facebook knows about it due to cookies and uh, other things the fact that we talk a lot makes me a very good con- uh, candidate for uh fitness related ads now because if we talk a lot definitely that thing would come up because you are too interested into that and then i'm already uh getting that idea from you right like uh, mm-hmm. in in some manner that i should be looking into fitness and then if i see something across my news feed on uh my feed on facebook i i would at least explore it out mm-hmm. so that's how uh, it works in a and this is like a very very simple example there are uh, way too complicated algorithms working behind uh, this sort of thing but yeah like uh, that's what you should be worried about i would say 
I mean, that so, brings me to another thing then, which is the sense that you just mm-hmm. said that a normal user should not be worried about it in the sense that it mostly would be a business use. What I'm getting out of it is that my data is being used to target some ads on the people. Mm-hmm. Why should I be so worried about if someone is trying to sell something to me or my friend online? Like I can just ignore it, right? Uh, yeah, yes and not. So th- there are, uh, again, two, like there are three uh, things to it. And th- this is like uh, one of the classic arguments of uh, why I-, I don't have anything to hide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So firstly, I think people should differentiate between secrecy versus privacy. Mm-hmm. So secrecy is not what we are talking about right here. Like we, we are not talking about stuff that you need to hide. Uh, it's more about uh, how, like how, what level of privacy do you want? Like we, we all know what people do in the bathroom in the morning, but we still choose to close the door. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you need that privacy. You don't uh, share your screenshot. I, I hope you don't share your screenshots on social media, like with, of the chat that you're having with people. So like we all want privacy that that's like uh, not, uh, I, I don't think that's an argument at all. Mm-hmm. So if you do want privacy, then there's a second level that comes up at least uh, in scenarios like WhatsApp and all that you're not just deciding the level of privacy for yourself. So you do want privacy, but then there are different people that might be okay with different level of privacies. But the point is, let's say if the whole world is on WhatsApp talking, like some other uh, messenger app talking to each other, I would need to get on it to talk to you. And I might, might not be that comfortable. Okay. So there's like a second point to the whole conversation that you're not just deciding for yourself. You are actually deciding for everyone and -hmm. you are like influencing the whole idea. Right. Even then, if uh, let's say you say that I don't care about other people in my life Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't care how they feel, like if they don't want that level of exposure, they can simply stop talking to me. Uh, Again, that that's your call, but uh if you are very selfish in that regard i think you should still think in this direction because the way it works is that it's not just one firm that you're agreeing to on doing this so let's say you say i'm okay with uh sending out my data to facebook Mm -hmm. or google like in some regards just because i'm getting some personalized data out of it what if that company gets hacked or something like that in next five, 10, 20 years, mm-hmm. would you be okay with sharing your data with like anyone across the internet? So that, that is like something, uh, that is a very slippery slope to be agreeing to. Mm-hmm. So at least like, uh, the least we can do, I would say again, to, uh, come back to the original point is that. Like we should at least be looking into it and uh, like the, the rewards that you're getting out of is, is almost negligible by sharing your data, but the risks are like super high. So, okay. yeah. So, I, 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 so as you mentioned that one of the data 
uh, or sorry, one of the use case in the privacy or the policy changes with recent WhatsApp update is related to business, right? Where they can get an idea how much uh, um, to uh, talking is happening between let's say me and Dev, but are they also able to look into our images, into videos because WhatsApp is not just texting anymore and people share very, very private uh, things mm -hmm. over over uh, WhatsApp. Imagine people uh, partners talking to each other and then what's happening there? Is encryption also helping in that direction or our images or videos are stored in the databases of the companies and they can use that to target our ads and know more about us than we would like to know them. So one thing that we can definitely be uh, sure about is that your data, your images and your videos are safe. So uh, I, I think uh, that's again the part where people are not uh, exactly understanding how data is used across companies. So it's, it's not your data that is being used. Uh, it's something called metadata that the firms use. So your chats, like anything that I send to anyone on be it a private chat or a group chat on WhatsApp is secured. Mm -hmm. And uh, no one else except that other person can see it unless that uh, the other person has some like uh, malware installed on their system or something like that. Like that's a very rare scenario, but yeah, uh, that, that, that I think uh, they do have uh, security against that too. But the point, like the point we are talking about here is not uh about your specific chats or what did you say on that chat mm -hmm. uh it's more about the metadata and metadata is something uh that i think again i already shared an example of it how much two people are talking what durations are they talking about what times of the day they are talking about and uh humans would like to believe that they are pretty unique but they're not <laughs> so you showing out uh, some specific patterns exposes you to like very, very uh, different scenarios. So like uh, even like uh, YouTube showing you recommendations is a very interesting thing. So like the background that you come from, your ethnicity and stuff like that would dictate in like very... Uh, it, it would influence a lot of your decisions and uh, the type of videos that you watch on YouTube would be like similar to other people that have been in your situations. Mm -hmm. And like the, the it, it's not that unique to you. So like I, I know uh, people talking about that we two were just discussing this thing or like while sitting next to each other and I suddenly got an ad for this or I just texted someone over uh, WhatsApp uh, that I am looking to buy a new TV and I got an ad for a new TV. Mm -hmm. It's not like uh, people are listening to your chat for sure. Okay. Uh, unless again, you are using some very... How uh, are you so sure messenger. about that? So uh, of course, uh, coming from a technical background, I do agree with you. That's not the case. But for our listeners who might not be coming from a uh, technical background, who might not understand how things work behind the scene, mm -hmm. what can we tell them to also make them feel like 
okay, what Rajat is telling us is actually true. We don't really have to worry about our actual data. It's more about metadata. So, hmm, I think uh, there's no way of saying this with 100% surety without going through the code base of everything. Right. But right. Uh, this, this is like a very mathematical thing uh, of how encryption works. So, uh, it, it, it's almost like a lock and key scenario. So you, you cannot uh, ever say that uh, this lock cannot be opened by other keys and stuff like that. But I, I would say uh, a very basis of how uh, encryption works and how locks work, it defines that uh, this is how the system is supposed to work. And uh, the way encryption works is that uh, it cannot be uh, read by like there are two negotiating parties in encryption and mm -hmm. uh, anyone except those two negotiating parties uh, is never able to uh, read that conversation out. Uh, these things would definitely change when we have supercomputers lying around in our homes uh, to do stuff. So it, it's just like a very hard mathematical problem to solve. Mm -hmm. So to sum it up in uh, one line, I would say, yeah, like it, it's it's not impossible to read what you sent your uh, flatmate last night, mm -hmm. but uh, the way it works uh, is that we don't have enough computational power to uh, decrypt that. So like uh, if even I try to decrypt uh, what you have, I, I would take like a thousand years or so. Mm -hmm. And I think it will be pretty relevant after that. Mm -hmm. So that like that, that's how encryption works. Okay. Right. Um, this, this, in, in that context, like there's one more thing that pops up in my, in my head. Um, you talked about that we are trusting a company with our data and what if down the line that company gets hacked or they're done. A company as big as Facebook, Amazon, or I would like to believe that they have pretty smart people to prevent that, but it still happens. Mm -hmm. Is it like, is it the very nature of tech that people should know and have a distrust in these companies or they can still trust companies on some grounds? Mm, I would say it doesn't harm to be doubtful. Mm -hmm. So let's say, uh, and I'm trying to take like as many analogies of uh, non-tech stuff <laughs> as I can, <laughs> but let, let's say uh, if you have a security system in your home, you still check on the windows and stuff like that before leaving. You still ensure that you have a safe within your home. So it's just not just like uh, trusting one of the systems blindly. It's not just about uh, sharing it, and but just, it's more about being aware about the whole situation and uh, be open to the ideas that, okay, this can be used against me or this, this might be, uh, this might not be what I'm looking for. So yeah, I think that's pretty much like, it's, it's less about, uh, there's no, uh, definite, uh, binary answer to it that, okay, you, you can do this and you can't do that. Right. It changes right. like depending on the context and situation, but, uh, it's more about being aware of, uh, what's happening with your data. Yeah. Reasonable, reasonable. 
so if if that is the case then there's a, often a question that has been raised in like the american parliament and stuff when mark zuckerberg sundar pichai all of these were called in front of the congress uh, on the charges of certain stuff and then there have been news in the past that they shared information let's say with some with some government bodies and stuff in the analogy you give that i would still check the window and the locks in my house before leaving mm-hmm. in this case i don't really have the window in my house but somehow there is a sticker of my face on someone else's window how like can they share data so easily with the government oh uh, yes <laughs> okay so that was a binary so, answer <laughs> yeah so it it dep- again it depends on different scenarios uh, and that that is exactly what gdprs and other laws around the system ensure that uh, what a company can and cannot do and again i would say it's not just limited to sharing the data with government but uh, where does like where does it stop so uh, and and i think all the privacy advocates were actually uh, talking in the same direction so let's say you say that uh, sharing data with government is okay in x scenario or like some very crucial state but then that opens a road to get that data in very other scenarios so let, let's say uh, if if it's like a national security or something like that and people say that it's okay to share it but uh, is, is there a way, is there a way of ensuring that it won't be shared if, if it's a not uh, if it's not so critical scenario with the government or to be specific like if there's a way of sharing data what is there to ensure that people are not actually using it for their like the firms are not using it for their own benefits Mm-hmm. so they can sell out data they can like share data so uh, if we're talking about facebook i remember there there was a uh, talk about sharing people's political opinions and stuff like that uh, during elections and that was pretty scandalous too so like mm-hmm. there's a very fine line of uh, where this goes wrong and i think again the risks of losing the privacy are very crucial rather than uh, just not sharing that data so that that's like i i think that that's all that's the same thing that almost every privacy advocate would uh, mm-hmm. argue about and yeah it's it's better not to have that door all together and not to uh, have that option at all for anyone rather than uh, trying to make sure that okay this can enter from here and then that person can't like knowing all this mm-hmm. how do you personally behave on the internet unknowingly i'm like ignorance is bliss now that you know it and probably someone who's listening to us possibly as well what does it change after this knowledge how do you do it uh i try my best not to freak out <laughs> okay <laughs> but yeah like it, I, again i think it's it's uh, it just like changes how you behave on internet so you are not that i'm i'm not saying that you would uh <laughs> you 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 would have a nervous breakdown every time you visit facebook but uh it changes uh your perception about how things work so like when when you see an ad on tv you have of some sort of psychological filters before you actually take a judgment on that right like you uh you you don't just see an ad and buy stuff 
So you don't know me, Rajat. <laughs> I, I was about to say that there are people out there doing that too. But <laughs> if I see a burger, new burger from McDonald's, you can bet I am going next day to get that. <laughs> so this is why I am getting all those burger ads despite a healthy diet. <laughs> so yeah, but at least like the point is that as long as we can have the same level of filters when you are visiting internet, I think it's good enough. the issue is that people think that anything and everything on internet is uh, good and i think that thought in itself is pretty bad but fundamentally so, yeah. internet did started from that good thought right if we look back at the history of internet and the people who started it or or even looking back in the 90s or even early 2000 until 2004 where actually first proper social media platform as big as facebook emerged i feel like there was a lot more privacy and there was not so much data snatching happening or do you think we were just not aware it was still happening back then uh it was not happening for sure but i think right. uh, the reason was not uh, that there was no facebook Mm-hmm. it was just because the internet was pretty young mm-hmm. so i i do not blame the tool ever like it's it's mm-hmm. never the fault of the knife or the hammer right it's it's always the person behind it right so it's it's like someone the way someone is using the the cookies and uh, stuff like that can be used in very good ways People, like you getting very good recommend book recommendations out of uh, amazon or you getting very good videos to watch on netflix is like something very good that can be worked on mm-hmm. so it's it's not the tool but how you implement it and i think what people are trying to do right now with all the laws and all the talk around it is to ensure that companies do not use like anything like this uh, any of these tools for uh, uh, the negative things okay um I, i would go i would like to go on slight tangent on on this one thing here um just to be sure have you have you heard of this um site called pond have you been pond like p w n e d where you yep, put in yep, yep. Yeah. i enter my email id i get mm-hmm. that my data has been breached now uh-huh. but like what do i do now <laughs> okay so we are going into a different section of security but oh, okay. just to add uh, so have i been pond is basically a website and it's like a non profit thing as far as i know so what that guy i think try hunt right yeah so what he does uh, or what his firm does in general is that they crawl the internet and the deep web Uh, i think we are going in a very different direction though but yeah uh, like they, they crawl whatever like they, they collect data from wherever they can mm-hmm. and they just uh, have a website that would let you know if your uh, email id or your passwords have been exposed uh, out to the world so let's say so th- this happens quite a lot in tech that firms get hacked and they don't even know about it Oh, wow. So rather than like a company mailing you that you should change your passwords, your passwords would be exposed way before then. So okay. what that, that's that's uh, good to know. 
so yeah and and that that's like a very good tool have i been pond is like very very good website to register at and uh like they, they do it uh they don't take any money from you they take money from businesses i think like if uh, businesses want to have some level of security and stuff like that but uh, the point is like they let you know that uh one of your passwords or one of your email ids were exposed in some recent leak and you can just like go ahead and change your passwords i would actually recommend like using some password manager rather than uh simply changing your passwords because uh i think the number of websites we visit nowadays and the number of places we log into is very mm-hmm. very huge and trying to remain remember like 100 passwords which all have random characters and don't have my date of birth in it are pretty tough so right. it's it's better to use a password manager and uh, just for the same security and i have a question on that that mm-hmm. itself because i do use a password manager uh, mm-hmm. i am lazy so i use password manager of google itself that uh-huh. inherently there is some distrust in google now right especially especially uh, in my circles in eu people are really mm-hmm. more careful about it of course there are better tool like one password and others but mm-hmm. i just feel like google is the most accessible one for me someone who is using google chrome constantly developing on it do you think am i doing a good uh, am i taking a right decision by using a password manager from a company which is inherently have some issues with privacy with security and da- uh, data tracking or uh, can we rely upon that mm-hmm. i i think you can because uh, it it's a very so security is uh, uh firstly like security is different than privacy and even though those firms are not uh well known for their privacy standards and practices mm-hmm. i would say the reason for that is not uh, that they are evil but uh that there are not enough laws to guide them around on how to do stuff so like if if you have a open playground to do anything that you want you would do anything that you want if you have rules on how to act and how to behave uh, in a certain manner you would uh, behave in that manner so yeah i think that that's why they are uh, not so uh, well known for their privacy standards and uh, like the the way they share data but security on the other hand is something i would say big firms are very well known for so it it would be very uh tough like it, it's a matter of comparison but uh, it would be very tough for your password to be leaked from google versus if you write it down in notepad mm-hmm. okay. so uh, because th- there's like a multiple teams of engineers working to, around the clock to ensure your security in google and it's just like you securing your notepad so uh it, it's like way better than uh not doing anything about it for sure mm-hmm. but on the same hand you can give uh, it a shot like uh, to try to use some other well known password manager a product that is specialized in managing password rather than uh, it being like, just a feature of a whole different product so like chrome is not specifically built for passwords is like the managing password is just uh, add on right so 
yeah i think it's just like a matter of comparison so there's no uh, sure way of saying it mm-hmm. okay. um but there was about password in have i been pawn now my email id is also exposed so mm-hmm. so i can i do anything about it i don't want people to know my email uh, id is horrendous <laughs> so yeah we all have that email id but uh, i think your email id is already exposed like it is uh, it would be okay to assume that your email id is already exposed to people out there who are looking for it so that's something like that you cannot take back unless you are planning on like going off the internet and moving to some remote location and living in a forest or something but uh yeah at the end of the day you have things uh, like once you put it on internet it's out there you don't have that much control in it okay so so just to just to sum it up some of the and maybe you can add on to the list but we realized during last one hour of our conversation there were some few things you suggested which our listeners or in fact all of us can do yeah. to improve our privacy could be uh, read what is actually uh, read the agreement of the cookies before actually accepting them right using strong passwords use uh, even password manager as you said rather than just using a notebook would you like to add anything else on this list which users can do easily without going to the forest <laughs> no i think like just being aware about uh, the whole scenario and not dismissing it out of the box is already good enough like if you're thinking about it i, I think that's like already way better than the current state that we are in so mm-hmm. yeah and interesting are there any resources like uh, blog youtube channels that you watch that you can tell us we'll link them in the show notes uh there are a lot of ted talks around privacy and uh, gdpr and stuff i think mm-hmm. that that's like a very very good source to uh listen to if you are really keen into it and if you want to like uh, the, the way you said that if you want to be online and still be very private uh, about it there, there's a very book, good book called how to be invisible mm-hmm. okay and uh, it it goes to some extremes but it like gives you some idea of how firms use your data and stuff like that mm-hmm. how, uh, and what you can do against it mm-hmm. so i think those two things are pretty okay and if you are uh, interested in knowing what in general can happen uh, mm-hmm. just with your privacy and how much can you be tracked i think edward snowden had a book mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. like uh, about the whole scenario how the us government was tracking people and all but i i think that's that's a very good book yeah i i have read that book i finished it within two days it was really really interesting it's and and the man himself have really interesting yeah. background yeah yep. okay so just to just before we go we would like to say thank thanks again rajat to thank taking you. out time on a sunday we know you had to work before joining the call you were going through a crisis in your work but you were kind enough to still join the call so we would like to say thanks thanks so much you know thank, thank you so for much. inviting me anytime anytime okay so yeah with this i guess you've summarized it well enough see you in the next episode sure. hopefully bye thank you bye.